passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is Super Tuesday. That means it's time for a super review. I am John Pollock, joined by Wei Ting, but not just Wei Ting, because on tonight's show, limited commercial interruption. We might have an overrun, but we are bringing in the backup utilities. We've got Braden Harrington and Davey Portman representing Poison Rana, representing the Calgary Hitman, and representing Shane McMahon. Hello, boys. Uh, yeah, we thought we would wear stuff of wrestlers who might show up yeah, on NXT tonight. I was sure. Yeah. Like, bring out the big guns, Shane O'Mac. Where was Brett? And I, the Hitman. Yeah. Like, no, where were they? Yeah. But it is Tuesday, and how do we start our Tuesdays, people? Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. We're your NXT friends. Friends. And look, Tuesdays is our night. All right? This is our night to watch NXT. Get out of here with the Wednesday night title, Tuesday, Titty Tuesday. None of that. None of that. Stop yeah, that. You know, maybe a little later on, we're going to be uh, breaking up our reviews. So maybe when Way and I are going through Dynamite, we can get a silent film from you two. <laughs> we could definitely provide our best. That, that was the highlight of the night because uh, we watch, um, I, I don't know about your sponsors, guys, but we watch through the fight uh, feed. Fight. And therefore, we're sometimes not sure, especially when you're watching one on semi-mute and the other one on loud. What is actually in picture in picture? So when Cena is coming out and we just see timeless Tony Storm dancing in a silent movie, you go, the war is won, guys. Yeah, like, yes. Cena, go to Hollywood. Yeah. Like, it's over. Go back yeah. to whatever you were doing because Tony time is here. Tony time. Wow. I, this is uh, one of the first times ever. I mean, we're millennials. We're too young to know what it was like trying to change the channels of Nitro and raw so welcome to the new age of two screens while you try to watch two different wrestling shows i don't know i grew up with a vcr <laughs> in my household and we just record shit and watch at separate times we never watch two shows I don't know. apparently time. that's alien in this part yeah, of the world yeah, absolutely yeah. well we figured it would be easier on you the viewers out there to just do one review together rather than us go head to head with separate feeds and you'd have to have your two screens out so we're, we're making an economical decision here to bring all of our reviews together but before we start uh jumping into the reviews i just want to throw it out to uh, both of you between both shows what was like the the main attraction of the night beyond just the head-to-head battle like what do you think was like the strongest uh element that either side had uh, going for them on tuesday night yeah i feel like the i feel like the cheap heat is announcing john cena and the undertaker kind of teasing that like wwe going for just really big names and they're just going to be on this show are these guys going to be wrestling no they won't be but AEW, i'd say had my interest of the actual wrestling for the night being swerve and danielson like as a just a wrestling fan that definitely had my actual interest tonight but i think wwe got the bigger cast the bigger net 
over having like all these other people that would draw more people to watch, I'd say. But I'd say for wrestling wise, AW definitely had my interest. For me, I feel uh, NXT had my interest more just from the ridiculousness of it all, the kind of names they were bringing in. I think AEW, it's not uncommon for them to put big, big matches on their TV. And I, as as much as I was looking forward to this card, I can't say there was anything that screamed out over previous like big editions of Dynamite over the time. Um, Danielson Swerve definitely had my interest the most on that show. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it was just, especially being your, your NXT guys, people, like we followed this show like right from the beginning. And just having this ridiculous night where they're throwing you know, Undertaker, Asuka, Heyman, all that. Yeah, it, I kind of was looking forward to the novelty of that. Yeah, for me, I definitely felt like Taker was probably the biggest name um, of the evening. Sure. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I think it was just more so the hysteria of seeing them continuing to add one thing after another, seeing Tony Khan go crazy last night on Twitter, uh, throughout the course of the day, just, um, <laughs> really taking this very personally and seriously, it seemed, um, I think it was just more so the, the fun overall atmosphere of it all. Tony Khan woke up on his birthday today, his 41st birthday. And he said, what kind of promoter am I going to be today? Am I going to be Dana White or am I going to be Scott Coker? He chose Dana White today. That was his and the more oh, effective I, promoter of the two. I was I was thinking you were going to say Herb Abrams, but okay. Uh, <laughs> he didn't go that quite. <laughs> yeah, not too, not too. Last thing, and then we will really get to the, the reviews. But I mean, it was just such a stacked lineup for NXT for, from star power. I mean, do you guys um, see, see, like, what do you take from the numbers that come out tomorrow and do you do you expect this to be close? Do you think that this is just going to be too much of your mainline star power for NXT, that this is going to be close? Like, what, what are some of your forecasts for what the numbers prove out tomorrow? I, I really think NXT are going to just destroy them tomorrow, really. Um, obviously, the, the amount of people they put on, but uh, just it's not AEW's normal night either. Uh, we've yeah. seen how much Becky has brought into uh nxt but uh yeah also it being a different night for AEW, I, I totally think nxt will just kill it yeah i'm not one of the uh cycle loyalists i just love all professional wrestling equally and i can hate on all equally as much but i i think them bringing in some of the dreams like had people's attention and i think by this time we're finding out the dreams i think nxt will definitely blow AEW yeah. out of the water there but we'll see i guess your connection's not sounding great, guys. Like a, a little bit of a maybe just um, modulation oh. um, in, in your voices. So maybe just uh, uh, just something, something to keep in mind, uh, just for for the rest of the review. Um, but I mean, um, to answer your question, I mean, uh, yeah, I expected an NXT win, but I also expect things to be maybe a little bit closer than we're all predicting. Um, I continue to think that there's a lot of you know power in AEW and having their audience follow them everywhere and. Um, in terms of wrestling and belt to belt, I felt like NXT had the better show with more star power in the ring, in ring as well. So I think that'll account for a big difference as well. So, but we'll find out tomorrow. Okay. So the way we're going to be doing this is that we're going to be going back and forth in 30 minute uh, intervals from each show to kind of give you a sense of like what was competing with what on the show. So we're breaking it up into, into blocks, essentially. So Wayne and I are going to start off going through the 30-minute buy-in that was added on Monday night. And we go to 
the Cable Dahmer Arena in Independence, Missouri. And there are Renee Paquette and RJ City welcoming us to, quote, the biggest dynamite in AEW history way. Kind of felt like it at times tonight, didn't it? I mean, I don't really think it was, but they certainly wanted you to think that way. Yeah, this might have been the first wrestling show I can recall that actively promoted don't forget the overrun we've got an overrun tonight i mean yeah. we're not even like uh, it, it wasn't going to be anything like we know we're not going to be done on time so get ready uh make sure you have your your dvr set and eddie kingston and minoru suzuki is the the lone match that was featured on the buy-in with eddie kingston defending the roh and new japan strong championships and i was watching this on youtube and the match started with uh, just under 40,000 watching live on YouTube and got up to just over 50,000 by the end of it. So if you were curious about like the live viewership on YouTube, how that is uh, tabulated, that were uh, those were the numbers on YouTube. But it was also on X and uh, Facebook as well. Yeah, I, this is just the YouTube uh, numbers um, that were out there. They were on yeah multiple social channels, but they trade blows. And there was this cool spot where Kingston takes a flash knockout after a forearm and is like stiffened on the mat as he goes down. He can barely stand. You've got Jarrett, Lethal, Dutton, Singh all watching in the back as they are having Lethal, uh, you know, his quest to go for this ROH championship again. Kingston gives him the middle finger. So Suzuki bends the finger and then he's threatening Rick Knox. I mean, Suzuki was fantastic in this match with his facial reactions, eating the chops and Kingston just trying to bring, bring this war to, uh, Grandpa Suzuki, the gotch pile driver is stopped with a back body drop, lands the Urican, but the hand has been hurt, manages a second one, and Suzuki kicks out at one, and this place pops as he gets up, and it's an Inziguri and Northern Lights bomb by Eddie Kingston, uh, going against the advice of Akawada. He's, he's, he's winning with the Northern Lights bomb, and he pins him in 10 minutes and 37 seconds, crowds chanting for Suzuki after, and much like we just saw with Shibata at WrestleDream, it was Kingston giving up the ring to Suzuki, who really had no time for this adulation. He just wanted to get out of there. He's like, yeah, I did my match. I'm ready to go. And before they they leave the ring, though, the two go eye to eye. Suzuki chops him, Kingston chops him, and they embrace in a hug, which is uh, something that I think me and Brayden are going to start to do whenever we... Uh, Say goodbye in the in in person next time, and then uh, Kingston comes over, grabs the headset, tells everyone, "Don't be idiots. Watch Dynamite tonight." And then while he's all sweaty, he hugs Taz, which was just gross. And then he uh, gave the middle finger to RJ City, and that was a wrap for Eddie Kingston. Yeah, um, a solid night at work, I would say for for the both of them. I thought this was a perfectly fine youtube slash kickoff bout it was i think above average you know in terms of what you would typically get maybe in a buy-in um it was not like the exhaustive affair that i think you might have otherwise expected between these two maybe on a pay-per-view or something but it delivered the type of action i think you would you would expect of the pairing to a satisfying degree um but not completely like you know draining this crowd ahead of like the actual show to come so i thought it was a perfectly fine appetizer i was a little surprised at like how much um uh, of the no selling of the repeated hurricanes that that there were considering it's it's been traditionally a bit of a protected move for eddie kingston but um you know he is a, really transitioning over to the northern lights bomb and the power bomb as his finishers anyway so that, and he that was working on the hand during the match as well um, so, so you had that element to it. I mean, to me, it was a 2023 Minoru Suzuki match that he is. It's as much about the experience of of sitting there to watch a Suzuki match that he knows what what is going to get the most reaction by doing. I won't say the least, but I mean, he knows his act down down pat for an audience like this, and it's effective for for where he is. 
And then the show or the buy-in ends with Tony Khan backstage with Tony Schiavone stating that John Moxley is not cleared and therefore Ray Phoenix will still defend the title. And before he can even state who, Hook walks in and says it's got to be Orange Cassidy. And Tony Khan agrees. And Orange Cassidy pretty much shrugs his shoulders. He's going to take the title match. And that is how the buy-in and so no John Moxley. So that is a, you know, he was off the revolver show. And obviously that was not just a precautionary measure, but was not cleared Sunday and was not cleared tonight. Yeah, I guess it explains to you maybe how close, you know, to the show they they really have to wait for something like this. And uh, unfortunate, of course, you you continue to hope that, you know, John Moxley is healthy. But as a pivot, I mean, this was probably always a great backup plan to go to Orange Cassidy. And we'll talk about the result of a, a bit later, of course. But now we flip on over to the USA Network where NXT was going live from the historic Performance Center. And tell us, Davey, Braden, how did NXT kick off? Yes. NXT October 10th, live from the Capitol Wrestling Center. And we opened with Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare, coming out. Something, something, Cody Rhodes. The crowd were really in a singing mood. crowd were, were into it tonight. Yeah. Um, and uh, as we're seeing on the dual screen, Cody versus Christian, as Christian, I believe, is on AEW. Yeah, they really missed the opportunity for Christian to basically cut a promo. Hey, if you turn the other channel, maybe you would hear them. Uh, like, he, he would make a joke about, you know, dads and dads. Yeah. Dads. Um, Vic Joseph is saying that we never expected to see Cody Rhodes uh, in the performance center. There's huge Cody chance and also yeet chance. Uh, Cody says, I'd be lying if I ever told you I'd be standing in this particular ring. But now that I am, something feels right. It's the Rhodes. It's Florida. We spilt blood all over this stage. And I have a huge announcement Uh, And he goes on to say that we're in the midst of the women's breakout tournament. And following that, we will be seeing the men's breakout tournament. But said, I keep hearing that when people heard I'd be here, that maybe I'd be announcing something about a certain tag team tournament. And they're a big chance of Dusty. And he says, well, that's good because it's coming back. But there's one more announcement And he says that tonight is the biggest night in NXT history. And Shawn Michaels has made it so that he is special guest general manager of NXT. Oh, is that because like they just announced for NXT, but then they're like, oh, wait, everyone thinks we're bringing back the Dusty. Okay, maybe we should just say that we're bringing back the Dusty because... He, he announces a different tournament. It's the huge announcement Way too many tournaments. We're also doing a men's. Also, right. next week is a tag team Bada Boom t- tournament. Hey, we'll get we'll Yeah, get but that. like, wait, what, how many tournaments? Yeah, there was part of me was wondering where, if he was going to announce like him and Jay in it or the yeah. winner of the tournament faces him and Jay. But it was, you're right. It was yeah. dressing up everything. It was the Dusty Classic tournament. Um, but then Ilya Dragunov comes out and there are chants of happy birthday to the uh, Mad Dragon and uh, Ilya welcomes Cody to NXT. He says, your words bring life into NXT, but I wanted to meet uh, you in person and says, Cody, you have the passion and energy and the will uh, for the whole WWE universe to make this place a better place. And he says, you fight with a fire and fight to bring things to the next level. And this is something I promise to do with the same fire that only the Mad Dragon can do. 
when he's interrupted by Dominic Mysterio. Wow, the big guns coming out. Yeah. The NXT North American champion coming out with Rhea Ripley. And he says, Willie, if you're half the man you say you are, why don't you put your NXT championship on the line tonight? And Cody sort of says, wait, wait, I'm hearing that you won't put the North American championship on the line. And Rhea says, Dom has been putting the whole of WWE on his back for the last year. Uh, Ilya says that uh, he's going to smash her boy tonight. Uh, He did say that. He's like, I'm going to smash your boy tonight. So make it official. Cody makes it official. And, but also says, I know what you judgment day are like. So the special guest referee will be LA Knight. (laughs) So I know what you judgment day people are like. So LA Knight's going to be the ref. Yeah. It just happens to be here. Happens to be there. So yeah, Cody doesn't put the North American championship on the line as well. Yeah, kind of a heel move. Kind of kind of weak. But uh, yeah, so Dom versus Ilya for the NXT championship later wow. tonight with LA Knight special guest referee. Yeah. So as you said, get all the big big guns out first. Yeah, definitely announcing like having LA Knight here is they're just stacking the show for yeah. random reasons. Outside of it, if you were just in the NXT WWE bubble, you'd be going like, what's going on tonight? Why is this the biggest NXT randomly? Like in October, you just went to your regular. Yeah. It's like, oh, I go to this wrestling show at yeah. the university every there anymore. Yeah, every yeah. Tuesday, and it's like, hey, what's going on this week? Why yeah. is this so big? I don't know. It's week, week, it's ratings week. I, it's just kind of bizarre if you look at it that way. Uh, so the first half hour was commercial free. Uh, we then see John Cena arriving. Yeah, John Cena. I don't know if John Cena watches NXT. He showed up in the parking lot alone. Very dangerous. Yeah, he should not have done that. Mello warned him as well. He tweeted him, "Don't do that." And what did this guy do? He walked out by himself. So he truly is Superman. We cut to Booker T, who's on commentary, just cracking up. And Vic's like, "What? What?" He's like, "No, nothing." He's just laughing. I think he's giddy just from how ridiculous this night yeah. is. Uh, but we start the night uh, with Roxanne Perez versus Asuka, and then Shotzi comes out. She comes out in a tank. Uh, she's got a, a new spiky hair. I haven't actually seen this yet. Yeah, very, uh, very spooky. She looks like the the one toy from Toy Story, or like Sid from Toy Sid Story. Sid from Toy, or, yeah. or the baby, the baby, yeah, yeah, yeah with the claws. With the, you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, so she joins uh, commentary as uh, Danielson and Swerve are on the other channel, right? Um, and she announces that she will be hosting night one of Halloween Havoc with Scarlett Boudreaux. And or just Scarlet, I think in WWE. She used that, yeah. yeah. Um, and Roxanne is actually taking it to Asuka. She's she's got m- most of the offense to start with. She hits her suicide dive to the outside. She's on top for quite a while, and then Asuka counters Roxanne and gets in. Uh, I guess the Asuka lock, like the reverse chokehold. Uh, Roxy counters that into a pin attempt, and then Asuka kicks out of it. And hits her like combo of spinning back fists and then a spin kick to the head to pick up the win. And Asuka goes over Roxy in the opening match. Yeah, I mean, Roxy has been a champion here. She is a young prospect for NXT. So it is kind of a dream match. But I didn't think it got a lot of time. And it kind of just seemed like Asuka just watched her, just beat her and just kind of squashing her there. It was really bizarre. It was weird. I think you got way more out of like the... Roxanne, um, Mako Sadamura yeah, match, or like the Cora Jade Natalia match we got, it, it did feel a bit pushed for time. And 
it was kind of just Roxanne had the whole first half of the match. Like, the you need to highlight this girl, and then she gets kicked in the head. So it didn't quite do it for me. I, I would have put a bit more back and forth. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know how much we would have done to an audience, maybe seeing the show for the first time with Roxanne, who I do think is fantastic. Yeah, I didn't think it was the best highlight of her. I think these two, they've got a way better match. 100%. In there, in, in, between the two of them. Um, and then after the match, Kiana James runs out to kind of attacks Roxanne Perez when Shotzi jumps her and then they pose with uh, with Roxanne. And uh, yeah, and that's the end of the first 30. Yeah, uh, it kind of does end with Paul Heyman showing up, uh, basically saying, what door? I've never been here before. This is NXT. I don't, you know, I don't deal with this kind of stuff and, and goes through, which I do love the subtlety of Paul Heyman and his uh, advancements through the years of technology and cell phones. Because, like, he still is just talking on the cell phone all the time when he used to do that with the big brick phone. So I do, I do like that. But, yeah, that was pretty much our first half hour of NXT, and it was interesting kind of going back and forth uh, where AEW kind of kicked off with their big match of Danielson and Torp. So it was, it was kind of easy to watch promos while the match going on back and forth, but as, it, was, it was not easy. It was not easy at all. What did, what did you guys think? Of NXT? <laughs> <Why don't> you <laughs> <know that? laughs> I didn't see it. <laughs> okay, oh. I think Davey and Braden, I think we're going to try and reconnect because it's, yeah. it's just getting like choppier again. So let's try okay. and leave the room, come back in. And if we have to, we might just uh, kill the video because um, it's just a little choppy for people to be hearing. So we will uh, smooth these waters out while Way and I go through the next half hour. Thanks, guys. Braden and Davey. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, Wait, what did you feel about, as someone that watches uh, AEW Dynamite every week on Fight, uh, what did it feel like to watch the first half hour commercial free? Um, I mean, there is a difference, you know, because you the, the, the course of action is, is very different when they do go to commercial break. Typically, they definitely slow the pace down, and, and it's stuff you don't really need to see in the in the match itself. Um, but yeah, I kind of, um, you know, it, it was, it was a livelier atmosphere for sure. Well, the show began with Christian Cage in the production truck, noting he is the biggest star in the company and there are implications for his title tonight. Um, so the, the first face on TBS is a representative of TNT. So that was our, uh, right. I guess they weren't gonna have Chris Statlander open the show. Well, this might change. I guess so. So says that tonight Danielson takes on Swerve. The winner will face him this Saturday on Collision, and he doesn't care who it is. He blames Swerve for their team losing it all in, and a little birdie told him that Brian Danielson still fancies himself the best wrestler in the world and says he is the champion of Warner Brothers Discovery, and therefore he has secured the first 30 minutes of the show commercial-free. The man has paid for this time. And then he instructs, one of you assholes, start the show. And one of the assholes started the show. He uh, he was, I, I mean, he, I, I suppose a, a bit of an interesting choice, you know, putting him on screen as your very first thing. But I think he has, you know, very close ramifications to the main event of the evening with Adam Copeland's debut. And um, the idea that he would somehow be responsible for all this is is pretty laughable. But sure, why not? He ended up being like you could argue like the biggest like figure on this show like yes you had adam copeland's debut but so much of this show was built around christian cage like he is now that it's the full turn with mjf like christian is your top heel in this company mm-hmm. at the moment definitely danielson and swerve strickland starts us off 
so commercial free, you get this this entire match, and they they went 16 minutes, and it starts off a lot of grappling. They had a Greco-Roman knuckle lock with Danielson going for the monkey flip, but loses the grip. And then there's a backbreaker, and Swerve would beat on Brian Danielson's back throughout this match. There's a 450 splash, and he lands on the knees of Danielson. Uh, this is when they plug the TNT title match for Saturday. And like last week, it will be a 7 p.m. Eastern start time again. So without a premium live event, they are going back to 7 again. And we did see the numbers from this past Saturday. But it'll be interesting to see what they do in a different time slot without a WWE event this coming Saturday. Yeah. And whether this is going to be a permanent thing. Like, they did not move that show last weekend because of sports. Like, it was... Like, it's just movies on Saturday night. So I don't know what the reasoning is for this Saturday because it kind of made sense for this past weekend. I wonder if it's an experiment and I wonder if it's a permanent change that they're considering. Because, you know, what's the point of asking your audience to jump once a a month or sometimes even twice a month when you should just, you know, go from seven to nine forever? Danielson is hung up upside down the turnbuckle and is hit with the swerve stomp. But Danielson manages to come back moments later with a half crab, then a kick to the head, but Swerve gets to his feet. So um, it's Danielson with more stomps on top, goes for the LaBelle lock and into the Fujiwara as Swerve makes his way to the rope. And Danielson is delivering like the, the running drop kicks in the corner and he runs into the turnbuckle opposite Swerve. And then he just goes down and he's like holding himself. And at first you thought like he's selling the arm, but then the announcers are stating it was a liver shot that he got dropped on the apron with a, a, a sidewalk slam by swerve. So that was, yeah, like working over the, like the back Wins. and as yeah. well with, with the liver. So this is something like we have seen in many fights where a liver shot, what's cool about it is you can nail a guy in the liver and it can be a delayed response where like, 15 seconds later, the guy goes down like that has happened in fights before where you have a a delayed response to a liver shot. But this sets up another swerve stomp and a huge near fall. It seemed like everyone thought this was going to be the finish. And swerve gets the crown from Prince Nana when Hangman appears ringside, yanks it away. It leads to a roll up for a two count. And then Danielson lands to Busaiku knee and pins swerve in 16 minutes and seven seconds, setting up Danielson challenging Christian on Saturday. A really strong match, I thought. You know, without any commercials, it definitely felt pay-per-view quality to me. Great pacing with the opening display of both men's technical abilities. I think um, technical wrestling is probably like the most understated part of Swerve's game. He is so well-rounded that we often forget, you know, how great of a, you know, mat technician he can be. I thought he was excellent in the opening here. And both of them, again, just really shined, I think, throughout the match in various, mm, like, Various um, areas, you know, um, I thought Brian's rib injury was brilliantly used. I loved how it interrupted his running drop kicks. You know, it's a spot we've seen a million times. And suddenly when when there's an interruption, we really pay attention. And I thought it was really well used. Great near falls in the end. Um, I had been concerned that neither of them could have afforded the loss here. But I think the way they did it and having Hangman be the cause of Swerve's loss, it, it reheats that rivalry really well and gives sort of a big program to follow coming out of this. So um, my other question is, you know, do we get a title change with Brian versus Christian and having the TNT championship on TNT as a, as a draw on Saturdays? Yeah. I mean, would Brian Danielson be comfortable running a network and maybe he would just give away the commercial inventory to like a nonprofit? He could do that. Yes. Imagine him and him and Mr. Zaslov together going over the future of TNT. Hmm. The carriage battles, 
what what Danielson's thoughts are about going direct to consumer, all these things. Another great Samoa Joe uh, promo. They must have just shot a bulk amount of these. He's got his scotch and cigar. Hello, I am Samoa Joe. And his road back to the championship begins this Saturday uh, where he's going to murder some guy on Saturday night and begin his ascension towards greatness. I would say this promo, he is well on his way there. And then uh, kicking or well, wrapping up the first half hour, Chris Jericho and powerhouse Hobbs. And they mentioned that Kenny Omega has not been cleared to travel after the chair shot and the young bucks are with him. So there is no, uh, no backup here for Chris Jericho and man Hobbs comes out his right shoulder it's gigantic, and the whole thing is taped. It looked just huge, uh, this, this taped-up shoulder of the man. And this was a one-sided destruction by Hobbs, save for a hope spot near the end. But it's Hobbs hitting one spine buster after the other, and they got this great near fall off one of the spine busters two minutes into the match, and you almost thought they were going to do just a flash pin that early, but it continued, and Jericho kept taking more. And then you've got Don Callis calling for the liver, which they had just explained this just happened in the last match. So all told Jericho took, I think it was seven spine busters and he gets a code breaker in. He tries to fight back shot blocks, the knee and goes to the walls, but Hobbs breaks out of the walls and hits a series of world's strongest slams. When Aubrey Edwards waves off the match. So we get a stoppage victory. Uh, it It was a pinfall. It was a pinfall. He he had his knee on Jericho's head, actually, and covered him that way. Oh, I thought she just waved it off. Okay. It was a very sort of like lack, lackadaisical cover on top of it as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I just saw the, the arms waving. But seven minutes, 23 seconds, Hobbs wins. Like this was one of my criticisms of AEW, and we saw it on this show, is like when they beat someone – Man, they've they've really got to convolute some of the endings with this idea of just protecting everyone. And this was the furthest thing from that. This was Hobbs destroying this guy and yeah. getting a big shocking win against a star and telling your audience, like, this is a serious guy that we are getting behind. And this is, you know, a big elevation for powerhouse Hobbs. So I thought that this was used very, very effectively. And, um, you know, Jericho just like he he gave like 90 percent of this match to Hobbs. Certainly. And this wasn't like the type of action Andretti when we're like it, 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 it was a bit of a fluky sort of finish. Like it was not one, two, three kid Razor Ramon where like, you know, Razor just gets up right away. Like what happened? This was a destruction. And I thought it was an incredibly effective use of um, Hobbs's first match after joining the Callis family. Um Big upset, I would say, considering their ranks. And I think it's a great way to tell the audience that, hey, you should be paying attention to Power Hobbs, uh, Power Hob, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs now. Uh, this is not like some cute TV, you know, cute little thing. Like, we're going to be serious with him. And putting him over Chris Jericho in this fashion, I think, is a big statement. I mean, Jericho really does not lose a thing from something like this. Again, he lost to Action Andretti. Even in a squash fashion, like... In a few months' time, he's still Chris Jericho, right? You know, uh, he doesn't do this often enough, though, so it still feels impactful when it does happen. Um, but yeah, I think a great way to further this Callus family program with a, a big new player attached. Yeah, and this would have cut Hobbs off at the knees, if especially if he's losing. But I would even argue, even going half and half here, like this was, you know, a dominant, strong start for this Hobbs push aligned with Don Callis, but. We, uh, we pick up the imaginary remote, and now we are flipping it back on to NXT. Oh. Uh, unmute. You, might, you guys might be muted. You guys are coming in clear. We just need to hear you. 
Okay. Um, hello, hello. <laughs> there we go. Wow. Uh, All those transmission issues on TBS last our week. Our connection is about as bad as our actual NXT connection uh, this week. But All the internet we used. Yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully you can hear us this time. But yes, as Jericho and Hobbs were making their entrance, we see Heyman arrive at the PC. And he angrily says to someone, do you want to tell me what door to go in? As he's clearly never been to the Capital Wrestling Center before. We see Gallus pumping themselves up for their big pub fight. And we go to Butch, who is talking to Tyler Bate and says, I need the Tyler Bate I brought all over Europe with. The same I went to war in, in Chicago. And then Ridge comes out and says it's fight night and that they're going to have banger after banger after banger um so we go to the match it's uh tyler bate butch and rich holland against gallus in a pub fight rules match and uh it was pretty funny uh bate was playing the role of seamus here taking the middle spot in the entrance or was it was it ridge the fridge taking the spot of Trent Seven in British Strong Style? It kind of felt like there was a crossover of teams here. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, with the pub rules. Uh, Gallus jumped them during the entrance. Uh, they're wearing these three white T-shirts. We love our unex- unofficial NXT T-shirts, but these weren't quite the ones. Yeah, Gallus boys on top. Yeah. Um, we see uh, Butch, uh, while Hobbs is just beating the shit out of Jericho, Butch gets a dart and darts one of the Coffee Brothers' fingers. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. When they announced a pub rules match for this episode, I was already getting ready to critique it, being like, if there's no, you know, someone glassing someone or darts being used, this isn't a true... Because, you know, not being over there once or twice, yeah. I've seen how pub fights can actually go down, yeah. and glasses and darts are, in fact, used in pub fights. So I'm happy they use this in this match. Uh, Ridge sprays a fire extinguisher at Mark and then puts him in the trash can. Uh, and then Gallus kind of shield bomb Butch through a table. Um, Ridge and uh, Bates are now just uh, teaming up uh, as uh, all of them do their uh, 10 beats of the Bowron kind of all around the arena. Uh, there's a triple bop and bang from the British brawling brutes. And then uh, a German from Butch for a two um meanwhile we're seeing roderick strong appear on the other screen as wolfgang uh goes to hit this con hilo on the outside and just misses everyone uh yeah, didn't wolfie like no order in the pool there uh mark coffee is then applying this kind of standing version of the boston crab as ridge comes in with a snooker cue and now all the brutes lock gallus in submissions uh gallus come back and go for a pin on butch but uh, Tyler Bate breaks it up with the spiral tap. Uh, and then Wolfgang hits his big Uranagi. Ridge dumps them both out the ring. Uh, and then uh, they br- Joe brings in a beer glass and he's going to glass one of them. But Bate takes it off of him, glasses Joe, and then Butch breaks his fingers. And uh, the three of them hit. We saw Bate and Butch last week go for their kind of double Tyler driver. But this time it was the double underhook into the big power bomb from Ridge through a table uh, to finish the match with your your baby faces going on top here. So the Brits are better at drinking than the Scots is what I learned watching this match here. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty fun. I liked when all three of them were using their like 
in stereo moves like the bop and bangs and the 10 beats and stuff. It was it was pretty fun. And like I said, I even got Glassby Bruv live in a wrestling match. So it, it was pretty it was all right. Yeah, I, I've been enjoying the kind of tandem work that uh, Bait and Butch have been doing. Um, Dallas don't 100 percent hit it for me. Uh, the gimmickry around this was pretty fun. But yeah, it was uh we've seen better NXT now. Yeah, I'm sure. wondering what we do with Gallus because like we have three Scotsmen here who are just ready to go to the main roster and fight with all these guys every week. So I'm just maybe they're they've run their course in NXT, I think. So uh after this we see a video hyping up um Becky and Lyra, which has been announced for Halloween Havoc. Uh it's showing that they're both from Dublin. It even shows footage from 2018 when becky lynch took a video uh took a trip to fight factory where uh lyra valkyria was training and uh yeah pretty cool footage of actual footage from like 2018 i believe where yeah it is becky like teaching and talking to a young class of wrestlers and yeah lyra is right there so it is cool that they have this footage so it's showing that they've got this uh this previous history and that we're gonna have the first kind of uh double Dublin women's main event coming up at Halloween Havoc. Uh, Lyra's then being interviewed when she's interrupted by Tegan Knox after her match with Becky last night on Raw. And uh, Tegan says, Lyra, your performance last week was incredible. And uh, but tells her that she's going to have to wait for her title match because she was so close last night and she deserves another chance. And Lyra basically says, no. You couldn't get the job done last night, so I'm having my match. Thank you very much. And I won't let get anyone get in the way. So, so go dye your hair or something. Yeah, so <laughs> I wonder if we're teasing maybe a bit of a heel Tegan Knox moving forwards and possibly costing Lyra. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, it, maybe we're getting two weeks of title defenses from the women's champion because we might be getting two the other way around too. But yeah, I think that makes Tegan a bit more interesting. I mean, she hasn't really been on NXT, to be fair, but, or... or She's, I know she's just coming back, but yeah, I think it would be a little bit more interesting. But. And this is the moment we see John Cena making his way to the ring as Tony Storm is dancing in black and white yes. on AEW. This was peak wrestling viewing here. <laughs> I don't think this will ever be matched where John Cena is in NXT. Wow. As Tony Storm is just in black and white dancing. It was really a thing of beauty. Like just what is going on? Two just Hollywood stars now, right? Two huge. Both timeless. Well, one's faded and one's, you know, a mermaid in Barbie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, as we shoot back over to John and Way. <laughs> well, we're not just going back to John and Way. We are off to Roderick Strong's humble abode, as it is listed from earlier today, which looked shockingly like this was all bulk, bulk shot as well. <laughs> as Adam Cole still needs surgery. And for the last week, we are led to believe he has been doing household errands for Roderick Strong at his house that has no cell reception and has no television sets inside either. So he cannot keep up tabs on Dynamite, which is if this is if this could have been a Nielsen home, this could have been very detrimental uh, in terms of their their uh, number tomorrow. But Strong wants him to cut the grass. And boy, they were just after my heart here with this with this segment to win me back. So he cuts grass on his scooter and then he needs a new shirt because his shirt's all sweaty. So they put him in a neck strong shirt. Matt Taven then puts over the uh, the neck toughness of a, the giraffe, the strongest animal in the kingdom. And Cole 
has to go for surgery. I love that there's a surgeon that's just on call ready. Like whenever you show up, we'll we'll get the knife out. We're ready to go. We've got our anesthesia. Just whenever you can show up, it's like that is not how healthcare works. It does not apply to U.S. healthcare. Number one. Um, I I wouldn't know. I mean, in, in Canadian healthcare, you definitely have to wait. But um, maybe things are different in the U.S. If you're paying. So Strong ends it by stating, I need you to do one more thing. And Adam Cole can't say no to this guy. So this is putting off his uh, his first of two surgeries. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, set up a scene later on with MJF trying to reach Adam Cole. Uh, beyond that, listen, it's it's a way to keep Adam Cole on TV, at least for these two weeks. Um, chances are they might have filmed even more of these, you know, oh, just this, as a way. Maybe they filmed nine months worth of this. It's very possible, however long he's going to be out, right? You know, um, I continue to not really mind them at all, but there, a lot of people agreed with you that these are not great. So um, maybe they choose to end them a bit earlier or shoot new ones, you know, who knows? But I recognize that they're in a bit of a bind where they don't really have much else to do with Cole. So, well, he's uh, th- this was his two minute representation because apparently he needs to be on, on the show in this capacity at uh, Roderick Strong's home. His humble abode. Ray Phoenix, Orange Cassidy for the International Championship. And the story is that Phoenix is all wrecked, but he's cleared. <laughs> His opponent is not. Um, between like storylines and real injuries, there's like a dozen guys that are not cleared in this company uh, that, that mm-hmm. we have going on at the moment. So uh, Phoenix's back is run into the post on the floor. And Phoenix, whenever he goes to lift Cassidy, his back gives out. There was this unbelievable uh, satellite DDT from Orange Cassidy that he hit that looked amazing. The Orange Punch gets stopped by a super kick, but then Ray Phoenix goes to the rolling cutter and his back gives out. Can't do the rolling cutter and eats a beach break, kicks out at two, and then lands the Orange Punch and uses the mouse trap and pins Ray Phoenix in four minutes and 38 seconds. And that match time, it would indicate to me that, that Ray Phoenix is probably dealing with quite a lot because this might've been the shortest singles match. I can recall Phoenix has ever had on a dynamite, at least uh, won't count like dark and stuff, but orange Cassidy wins the belt back. And it seems like, okay, it's, it just kind of feels like we did the record setting reign with orange cast. It'd be like Gunther losing the intercontinental title and winning it back in a month. Well, again, this was certainly not their plan, you know, Probably not even, not. not even for tonight. I mean, Mox was supposed to be in this match and uh, I guess very likely Mox was going to win it back. Um, what I did find interesting though, was when Cassidy won it, he kind of like started looking at the championship in a bit of an odd way. Like we, yes, Orange Cassidy is not the same reaction as I did. (laughs) He's not one to celebrate, you know, in big fashion, but like this felt a lot more, maybe uh, serious, maybe even a bit more nefarious than uh, previous. So um, it, it, it was definitely giving you the indication that it was a bit out of character of a reaction for Orange Cassidy. So we'll see how that, what, what that turns out to be. Um, I'm and I'm 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 hoping lazy Orange Cassidy that will only defend once every thirty days. Could I done with the the Iron Man routine? That could be it. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine right now a heel Orange Cassidy, but they might be building their way towards it, and it would certainly be a way of refreshing, you know, this this um, international title run on a second time around. Because yeah, he's achieved everything he could just by being a great babyface champion. Him possibly being a heel champion would definitely be a different wrinkle. I also wonder if there's, you know, you logic would tell you that there'd be a Mox rematch, but. I, does Mox just win it back from Cassidy? 
Um, or do they just, you know, scrap the box run at this point and let Cassidy do his thing with whatever he's planning, you know, this time around. So it's an interesting pivot. Again, one that I'm sure they, they weren't intending on, but as a backup, sometimes interesting results may come of it as well. So what you are forecasting is the orange peel turn. Uh, sure. We go to Tony Storm's close-up, shot in black and white with RJ City, and she says there hasn't been enough cinema tonight because the Cole Strong segment did not classify as cinema. No. So she made a short film, a silent film, The Lover's Lament, and this sets up our first commercial. This is like 46 minutes or so into the show. It's our Uh first picture-in-picture, and... I was I would not have been changing the channel for a second here because this <laughs> watching Tony Storm do this uh segment. They did two of these and it's her in her studio just performing. That's as best as I can describe it and I thought she was uh fantastic here. I'm so impressed at like the amount of creativity they continue to um use for this Tony Storm character by letting her throw it a commercial break now she's dominating the commercial breaks giving us something completely unique for this picture in picture this was a, a, like one instance where i think picture in picture would have been a better experience than watching this on fight now they do have like like sort of silent movie um music yeah, running music underneath it on the, fight which is yeah exactly which was a lot of fun um but just having a tony storm in black and white dance on on the corner of your screen as you're watching like a domino's commercial i'm sure would have been quite the hook as well is this what you two are you two going as Tony Storm and RJ City? Is that your Halloween costume that you're keeping secret? Uh, we would have, but it, the character didn't kick off until like a few weeks ago. Yeah. So we're, we, we already got our costumes. But both are clean shaven as well. And I'm I'm growing this thing out. Yeah, yeah, we do. Well, the good thing is she's timeless. So you can do it next year. Next That's year. That's true. Yeah. Right? Who would be who? Um, I see. I guess uh, I'll have to be Tony. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which one of you would be the better we, RJ. We do have wrestling costumes prepared, and uh, you know, we're, we're we usually hit it out the park. And I think uh, we'll toot our own horn and say they might be better than uh, than a Tony Storm outfit costume. Oh I don't know how. Setting the. Uh, I know. I feel a lot of people would prefer a Tony Storm. <laughs> what me in a Tony Storm? Outfit? <laughs> oh God! Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Absolutely. To follow that, uh, we had Wardlow and Matt Seidel. Uh, he just murdered this guy with four power bombs. This was a stoppage finish in 48 seconds. And um, so here I thought we got two stoppage finishes on the show. I was like, that's so brilliant. Like you're long-term building up these two monsters to have some showdown down. Uh, and I misinterpreted the finish. So maybe they're not building towards that. But anyway, they could stoppage win for Wardlow. Yeah. And he just leaves. He's doing the thing where um, he's just kind of keeping it short and sweet although i would maybe argue that i don't know how sweet these necessarily are it's not like they're that novel at this point and i would say maybe the short screen time or like maybe the beatdowns aren't really impactful enough these days to make me remember like by the end of these shows i don't remember wardlow being a part of them at all well i mean he does have other things on his mind his his uh, manager Arn anderson has gone missing since his return and he's still searching mm-hmm. for him and then the last thing uh before we flip it back was renee trying to get an update on chris jericho who has uh lost his voice uh because he just sat there not didn't make a, a sound and daniel garcia is concerned and matt menard comes in what are you doing and said that we're better than this don't don't worry about this guy and garcia's just i'm trying to be a human being we're all trying and uh that's <laughs> that's how we uh send things over to nxt Concerned Daniel Garcia. Well, whilst t- Tony Storm was dancing, this new fresh prospect on NXT, Mr. John Cena, comes out. The crowd are going crazy. 
He says, wow, it's great to be here. And that reaction, that might be the most street cred I've ever had. They were singing like the whole word for word. Uh, like, yeah. The whole, the whole song and very, very loud. He says, this place is crazy. We just turned it into a pub. Now, where is my pint? And he says, we do magic here every Tuesday night. And I, I knew that, but nothing is like being here in this room in person. And it's been long overdue. Uh, there are thank you, Cena chants. Uh, Cena talks about gratitude and he thanks uh, the like NXT universe for making it a place that all of these stars wanted to come back down and visit. He says, yes, we are SmackDown. We are Raw, but yes, we are NXT. Uh, when Bron Breaker comes out, who uh, this was the revival of the Bron Breaker sucks chance, yes. which we haven't heard for a while. Yeah, it definitely makes sense and is fitting with Cena being here. Yeah, so towards the end of his like babyface run, like people were starting to chant this at Braun. And Cena says, "Oh, I've been to this karaoke bar, uh, <laughs> karaoke bar before, uh, but it's so much cooler when the lyrics are changed." What uh, do you think Cena sings at karaoke? He looks like he, he's a he fr- likes a private room karaoke. Private room. He's singing Frank. The- he's saying something Chinese. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, true. Yeah, he'd be good. So uh, Braun says, "These people didn't come here to see you; they came to see me." And Cena says, look, we all know this business is in your blood and you're athletically gifted, but says the problem is your attitude. And look, I didn't come out here to run you down tonight, but now you're here. I'm feeling like doing it. And he says, you know what, Bron? I'm excited for your match tonight and I respectfully wish you good luck. But then Bron uh, doesn't take the handshake instead punches Cena, sets up for the spear, but Cena dodges, goes for the AA, but Bron slips out of the ring. Yeah. So a good little tease for later on, but pretty cool seeing Cena and Bron. I mean, Bron has been the like main guy in NXT for mm. the past while. He's someone who could have been put on the main roster six months ago. And and this is the first time Bron is interacting with such a like high caliber star within WWE. It, it had my attention. I think he looks ready. Like oh, easily, he, yeah. he, I think I want this match. This deal, like he's completely owning it, and I, I yeah. think he completely held his own against Cena. I think since they announced last week that Cena was going to be in the corner of Mello, I thought that we would get some sort of interaction between Cena and Braun because that would make a pretty sweet and interesting matchup. Whether you put that on NXT Deadline or a WWE pay per view, because that's that sounds good. Maybe, maybe this is the start of the call up. Braun going up. This would be a cool way to maybe. to bring him up for sure. Uh, we see Tony D'Angelo and Stax who approach Cody Rhodes backstage with a problem. Is Cody Italian? Uh, no, I don't think he's so. Cuban. Right. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, and they say, look, we have this problem. We heard you're the, the commish tonight. And there's a bunch of people who want to fight us. We fought a bunch of people. And Tony says, so how about we get that bunch of people? They fight. And then they keep fighting until there's two teams and then they fight and bada bing, bada boom. You know what you get? You get a challenger. And Cody says, look, I am from Georgia and I don't understand what you just said there. <laughs> so Stax translates. And says, look, how about we have a tag team battle royal and none of this, both members have to be eliminated. One person gets eliminated, they're out. And then the final teams, they face in a traditional tag match. And the winner of that can face us at Halloween Havoc. And Cody says, yeah, my dad used to make crazy stipulation matches like that back in his day. I like it. So how about we do that? And how about we call it the Bada Boom, Bada Bing Battle Royal? 
Jesus. Yeah, that was something that came out of his mouth. And that's what's happening next week. So we got a bunch of these tag teams from NXT that are all going to be fighting in this thing. And then and then down the road, we'll have the Dusty Classic tournament, I'm sure. But yeah. yeah it's like, I just announced a tournament. But yeah, let's create number one contenders sense. next week. Yeah, I was so like, wait, what? Head scratching. But okay. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, yeah, we then see Baron Corbin being interviewed. He's talking about Ilya Dragunov, saying that he's been ducking him, that he's the only person that put Ilya down. And I thought uh, Ilya would be better than Melo, but everyone around here is the same. Everyone's soft. And as he's going off, LA Knight's music interrupts as he's making his way to the ring. As we cut to 9 p.m., as we're going to go for Dominic Mysterio versus Ilya Dragunov for the NXT title. And John, wait. What was going on in AEW? Well, <laughs> as Dominic was uh, sitting back, he was probably realizing I'm going head to head with the knife pervert because it was Jay White <laughs> and Hangman Page uh, squaring off. And we go to picture in picture early on in the match. White's in control. Tony Schiavone calls Jay White a criminal, a criminal for stealing the AEW championship from MJF. And throughout the match, it is Jay White uh, destroying the knee of Hangman Page. And Page sold this really well, but he also had, has the uh, Seth Rollins gene where, yes, uh, my ACL may be torn, but someone's got to hit an Orihara moonsault to the floor, and it's going to be me. And constantly, he was not going to give up on his buckshot, Larry. It's like, this is my only pathway to victory, this buckshot that might be the worst move for my knee. So uh, Page fights back on one leg to hit a fallaway moonsault which uh, I just tried the other day. You can do it on one leg. It's possible. <laughs> um, he injures the knee upon landing, and then White snaps the knee, rolling elbow by Page, but the buckshot gets stopped with a dragon screw in the ropes. Page manages to snap Jay on the top rope, and this is when he hits the or- Orihara moonsault, as Taz remarks. I think he landed on the knee coming down. I'm like, yeah, I think he did. I think his knee exploded into multiple pieces. So the knee gets chop blocked. Page comes back from a sleeper suplex, giant lariat, and then goes for the buckshot, but the knee buckles. And as Jay goes for the blade runner, it's turned into the dead eye. But Juice Robinson and the guns who are ringside distract the referee who has a very short attention span. This sets up a two count. And then Prince Nana tries to hit Hangman with the crown. However, Page stops him, but it doesn't prevent Jay White from still managing the roll up and catching Hangman in 18 minutes and 19 seconds. And then Page, on his one leg, sternly limps to the back after Prince Nana. Now, for all my sarcasm, I really enjoyed this match. I thought Hangman, like, the the knee story was great. Finish was, it was an AEW Top Stars type of finish. It was at 18 minutes, but you kind of knew where they were going after we saw the earlier involvement with Hangman in the Swerve match. But I liked the match a lot. I thought it was a very good match. I I don't know if I could say it was a great match. You know, uh, it had that sort of quality. I often find with Jay White matches or portions of it definitely tend to drag. And I don't really find all of it so captivating. But all in all, for a TV quality match with like two pretty big names, I thought it was very satisfying. Um, I think, you know, very important. You, um, you know, they did a lot of work for sort of in page and setting up that rematch. I think you keep white pretty hot for the MJF program. Although I do think you have to give him a pretty definitive win. That's not just at the, as, as the result of a distraction um, in the weeks leading up to, to full gear, but we have a lot of time. So all in all, good quality match on TV. The Bang Bang Gang, or as Renee identified them on the pre-show, the Gang Gang Bang were in the ring. <laughs> I heard <and> that one. <laughs> 
MJF storms out furious and demands the title back. Give me back my belt. And White refers to it as the Bang Bang Belt, which sounds like something Braden had in university. I definitely have that, yeah. And uh, rejects the offer to give back the Bang Bang Belt. So MJF knows Jay White better than Jay White does, which is quite the statement. I know you don't care about anyone. You'll use people and abuse people. And you're using Juice Robinson and the guns to get where you want. And that's right out of my playbook. But every morning I wake up and I try to be a better man and it's working. Even though I hate it, I have earned the people's respect and they cheer this. There are two things in my life I care about. Adam Cole and my championship, which is my livelihood and it's my legacy. Winning the AEW title makes you the best wrestler in the world. And I know, Jay White, that you are talented. And one day you probably will be on that short list of AEW champions. But that day is not today. And challenges Jay White to be a man. Show some respect to the sport, to AEW and these fans. Give me my title back. And White says to MJF, you have to earn it. You have your chance. November 18th. And I dare you to come down and face, quote, the five of us, meaning this cardboard cutout more than meets the eye. Okay, this is an active member of the group. And Juice then takes over and says that next week there's a dynamite dozen battle royal to set up the match for his ring. And he's entering to win the stupid ring. And then he pulls out a roll of quarters that reads Friedman on it. And he's going to break MJF's jaw. And MJF furiously retorts, threatening to kill him, you piece of shit, if you come at me with those quarters. Now, for context here, this is the story that MJF shared of when he was younger and bullies throwing quarters at him for being Jewish. And now with Juice Robinson, it is worth noting, the quarters have been a weapon that he has used in the past. But, you know, this is this is not like some novel idea. People have thrown this idea out of recreating this based on that story. I'm a little uneasy with it. And I think given the timing this week of all weeks of what's going on with Israel, I could certainly see people having, uh, if people were uncomfortable with what the angle was to begin with, uh, you could certainly look at that. But that was definitely a debate coming out of uh, this segment and and utilizing this. I gasped when I saw him do this. Um, it was territory that I, I didn't think that they would um, go into without even thinking about the unfortunate timing of it. Um, this was to me. I wouldn't have touched it. Like, like you could argue in the best of times, but this week of all weeks was just um, it, it just felt like such a disconnect to the real world, like doing this. This felt to me like the biggest conversation coming out of the the shows, either show tonight. And I don't know if that's a good thing. You know, when um, I think you're trying to, you know, get a lot of people to talk about your show being better, your show being better in no part of that conversation. Do you want people to talk about the, this level of real world discomfort that they might feel out of a, a, an angle like this? And let me just, you know, like say, I mean, I have... <laughs> I don't believe that this angle would wouldn't have would have occurred without MJF's blessing. First of all, I would even go as far as to say he might have actually suggested it because he probably feels like there's a justifiable end here where the bad guy gets his comeuppance. But it's still like territory that I don't think a lot of wrestling fans, when they're watching something for entertainment, want to 
want to dwell on or see used, you know, for any sort of heat at all. Um, beyond that, I, I think it's a really tough position for juice, you know, like doing something like this. It, it was the end of the segment. Was there heat on juice or was there heat on the company? Like uh, it's, 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 it's the company. Yeah. Yeah. But in, in storyline, I mean, are, are the bullet club gold? Like, are they white supremacists now? Like without like, you know, pr- intentionally provoking like a, a Jewish person who has been bullied in the past. Like the, it, it makes the whole group look terrible. And we're talking about, you know, professional wrestling here and and a group that I don't think anybody is supposed to feel that way about. So I think it's just a tough role for everybody and probably a bad decision. Yeah. Like this is not like people like reading too deeply into things like this is on its surface, an angle based on a guy that was bullied for being Jewish and we're using that for heat. And I think if like there could certainly be like blowback to to this, like it is an ultra ultra sensitive topic this week of all weeks um, that you're just fanning flames. And I, I would not have touched this. this we week. were, we were to mute and like, our as eyes as, yeah. and like, they are not doing, I that shouted right out now. to you. I said, unmute that for a second. He's got a roll of quarters and it genuinely shocked me when you said you gasped, but you kind of hit it on the head there to jump in is like, I love when heels are heels and this and that, but I watched this silly entertainment for like escape. And when of all times of all times, to do it this week i just felt that was so off because so many people on social media for weeks have for months f- almost a year since the, since he's brought it up in the cm punk feud have been like oh like it's gonna be cheap heat for a heel to do that and i always thought like man that would be really weird if they did that and of course they didn't actually do it but alluding to it it was just so weird like of all the time i this think week. It, it's it's always been that debate in in wrestling because we watch it knowing it's it's scripted entertainment and we have good guys and bad guys and but we don't watch it in the same way we'd watch like an hbo drama which has the same things and has bad people doing horrific things and it's kind of because wrestling hasn't earned that pass to do it i think because it hasn't handled topics sensitively Mm -hmm. in the past all of that aside doing it this week of all weeks was just bad. Like th- I'm thinking of like previous tragedies we've had in, in the world where you see, and you know, we're not airing tonight's episode of whatever, because it involves a school shooting or whatever. And something recently happened. So we're, we're going to wear this old episode. You go back as far as Spider-Man, they've removed the, the, what the, the towers from it because it was so close that timing and they didn't want to seem this is a a live broadcast where we know following wrestling for years scripts change up to the moment they go out i think this was really poor mm-hmm. a yeah. really poor decision putting this on tonight of all nights and we'll leave the if, stink. if whenever but if ever but like it's that's another debate about how far we can go in storytelling i just think it was completely tactless doing it tonight yeah, yeah. I like just judging by the reactions that I've seen up until this point, the reactions in our chat room, the reactions from Jewish friends of mine to something like this. I expect them to drop it very quickly. They might even, you know, be at the point where they might not even mention it and not bring out those those quarters and pretend it never hap- ever happened. Um, but or or you know, you might just get MJF like decking, you know, juice, and and that's the end of that. But. I would say pretty unfortunate that we're even having this conversation on a night when we should really be celebrating professional wrestling and not talking about 
you know, the, the, the something like this. Yeah. Like that's your answer way. Like if, if that's indicative of like a, an audience member that you have offended to such a degree that they are not going to participate in your programming, like that is not a successful angle. And I don't know, I just watched this and it just felt to me, how did this get through whatever channels? And it just felt like, like zero awareness. Like that's what it felt like. Like there's no one connected to like what is going on in the real world. Um, and like our show somehow doesn't exist in that real world. Um, that's what it felt like. Uh, it felt like, it felt like that angle that they did. You'll remember this Davey when the, the, uh, the, the subway bombing happened in mm-hmm. July of 05 and WWE went ahead with their, like their, like their terrorist attack angle and, 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 and ran it uh, on like UPN. And it was just like the real world, like does supersede your entertainment. And it just, it was a very uncomfortable angle. And I mean, I wasn't monitoring online, but from what you guys have said, like, it certainly sounds like it was a turn off. Yeah. I almost wonder, like, because we know NJF has been very vocal uh, with with his audience, especially lately now that he's a babyface about, you know, like last week he talked about how, how his segment wasn't great and he took ownership of that. I wonder if he will address it, address this and some of the reactions to this. Yeah, I feel like like no matter what ratings and everyone's going, this, this show is better, this show is better. As much as I, I love AEW, I genuinely think they took the L from tonight simply because they let this segment go to air. Like, shocked me my eyes were huge when this happened yeah incredible that it did uh well that we throw on back to you guys uh for where we had there was nine. a tony storm uh, a little well thing there was too. another <laughs> lover's here, uh, <laughs> More time. i was gonna i was gonna kick off our final half hour with, with that but we can end this one off with that this post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet smart money podcast financial literacy can be daunting but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd wallet's smart money podcast Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. So we then have Dominic Mysterio, the NXT North American champion, with Rhea Ripley taking on the Mad Dragon, the NXT champion, Ilya Dragunov. Uh, Ilya is just lighting Dominic up with these huge chops. Some of you to the throat, delivers his standing scent on a series of German suplexes. Uh, oh, yeah, LA Knight's the special guest referee, by the way. Wearing Tim's. Wearing Tim's. Has, has a ref ever worn Tim's boots in a, in a match? That's pretty Earl incredible. Earl Hebner. He, yeah, I don't know. These ones, he looked pretty good. I like Tim's, but I don't know how people could climb into a ring with that. They're heavy. I could not imagine They're wrestling heavy. or wrestling yeah, in them. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, he looked good, though. Oh, yeah, very fashionable. Uh, well, Rhea discra- distracts LA, allowing, allowing Dominic to take advantage. After the break, we see D- uh, Dragunov come back, hitting the Constantine special. Uh, the crowd are just really hot for LA Knight here, chanting, yeah. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, we see uh, the Jay White and Hangman match going on on the other screen. Uh, Ilya deadlift sc- slams Dom, is lighting him up with more chops. Uh, Dominic catapults him into the ropes to hit the 619, which Ilya kicks it out of. They're then fighting on the top, and Ilya delivers a superplex. Um, and then this was quite a cool moment because we saw both the NXT champion and the AEW champion on screen at the same time. 
Uh, there's a huge powerbomb from Ilya, followed by his... Does he have a name for this yet? His just knockout blow. Like the final, final shot elbow. or something like yeah. that, yeah. Um, and Ilya's setting up for the uh, Torpedo Moscow when Finn Balor runs out, uh, as does J.D. McDonough. Uh, L.A. Knight takes out Finn. He hits the blood force trauma to J.D. And then Rhea tries to use the championship on Ilya, but Trick Williams runs out, grabs the title off her, and she falls into his arms, and he has a moment like, oh, oh, that's a girl. Uh, and then Ilya hits the Torpedo Moscow for the win. Uh, yeah. What did you think? It's okay. It was basically Ilya beating down on Dominic, which was pretty cool. Seeing Dom take that final finish, he sold it really well. So I thought that looked pretty good. But it was your classic Dom match with, like, the shenanigans and all 70 members of the Judgment Day coming and running out. But former NXT champion Finn Balor making a, a little appearance back here. Link, can you miss him? Yeah, this yeah. One, yeah. And, and same with JD, former NXT yeah. talent as well. as Rhea, everyone here pretty much. So it is pretty cool. But the match itself was was fine. A, a pretty... A, Ilya can't really have bad matches, but it's Dom and it was TV. You know, it, it's one of those say it's on the lower end of Ilya, it's on the higher end of Dom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do think Dom has been looking pretty good against, like, better workers. Like, I, I've actually really enjoyed his matches against Dragon Lee. Uh, it's all that NXT developmental time. Like, it is it is helping, but I, I am seeing improvements from Dom, but this was definitely on the lower side of Ilya matches. Um, and, yeah, and Cody knew it. He was like, you know what? We don't need a double champ. Not like, again. Let's, We've done that before. Ilya's winning this. Dom, just keep your thing. Yeah. Uh, after the match, Corbin comes out when Dijak appears from behind to take out Ilya. Um, and Dijak just says, I beat you to it. I was here first. So kind of setting up for uh, a match that will be announced next week. Next yeah. Week. yeah. So Dijak's sticking his nose into some business when Corbin's making it known that like earlier, he he seemed pretty mad that LA Knight cut him off, but he clearly is gunning for the Halloween Havoc spot. So Corbin beat Ilya for, right? Yeah, Dijak lost right in his Ilya match. Yeah, yeah. So really, he's got no. Doesn't he have a tree to beat up or something? He, he's busy. I don't justice. Know what, yeah, it's something about justice. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I saw a great tweet from Stephanie Chase around the time it cut to Baron Corbin when he was backstage, and then. AEW had Jay White and Hangman coming out, and Steph said, tweeted, Rip NXT's female demo right now. And it's funny, I read that tweet and laughed because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, wow, AEW's like, here's look at this bum ass Corbin on the screen, and over here is two of the most handsome men fighting. I definitely had my eyes were like, oh, let's go see what, what's going on over here more than yeah. on NXT at one point. But yeah, uh, I think we're setting up Dijak and Ilya for. There's, there's two weeks of Halloween Havoc, so I'm wondering if we do double matches, double title matches. Well, they, they've announced like the number one contender match. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. With, with obviously our winner. But, we'll get there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't read ahead. Uh, we then cut backstage to uh, Carmelo Hayes, John Cena, and Trick Williams. Wow. All just hanging out. And Melo is saying that he's mad that Bronze disrespected Cena like that. And uh, they make a you can't see me joke. Yeah, Cena with the classic, wait, you can see me? Yeah. Uh, Mello then says, look, tonight, start my redemption. I'm going to beat Bron and then get back my NXT championship. And then he looks at Trick and goes, and we'll get you back your North American championship too, Trick. And Trick is looking a bit like despondent from it. Uh, so Mello leaves and then Trick turns to Cena and he goes, hey, John. Can I ask you something? 
when did you know that your time was now? <laughs> and Cena goes, let's talk. So Trick is still kind of feeling in the shadow of Mello. Right. Uh, I am enjoying how they're, they're doing this story. It, a little cheesy with Cena, but yeah. I kind of liked it, him asking the advice. Like, is it my t- Like, should I be trying to break out right now? Yeah, because it's, it's Mello already like saying, I'm going for the NXT title again, and you can go for the. You can go for that little one again. Yeah, if you so like. Trick's yeah. like, yo, come on, man. But it was cool. Brooks seeing- Jensen uh, catch up with John Cena and tell him how B two, how B squared is doing. Yeah, I was, I was hoping for that with Cena with the the, the tie in to to his dad. Yeah, there was no Brooks this week, unfortunately. No, we didn't get that, but we got Trick Mellow Cena gang. So yeah. we'll take what we can. And we might be bringing back the Brooks Jensen soon. Take that for the Brooks. Gen- Will yeah. we? What does that mean? The drink. Oh, the drink. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, we then see, uh, there, there's a certain, I don't know if you know the, uh, NXT monopoly board, right? but we've got what the parking bar- lot, barbershop, the parking lot. We've got Apollo Crews diner. Uh, uh, we had Santos's yacht. We've got the, the, the fishing pond. Wrong oh, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we've got the NXT kitchen, uh, where people just hang when they're not working. This is not Shawn Michaels cooking, right? No, no. no. Uh, but this was Corbin in the kitchen burning meat, probably. Well, he used to dress like a server, so he might as well. Doesn't he burn? He he can't grill. He can burns he? the chips. Yeah. <laughs> and the steaks. Well, uh, Corbin and Cody are in the kitchen just hanging out. And Corbin uh, wants Cody to give him an NXT title match. And uh, Alfie then crapped out like I ended up doing at the beginning of the show. Uh, but Cody says, basically, I've got a plan. And he says no. And uh, the clock hits 9.30 and we go back to John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in the home stretch of Dynamite and we go into Soraya with Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Championship. The clock ticks 9.30. <laughs> it is time for your women's match of, of AEW. Both channels. Oh, my God. Both channels. Both channels at 9.30. And I see two of them, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah true. So Sheeta's on the floor, and um, I thought Akira Tozawa had made his turn and joined AEW because we get a masked uh, ninja that turns out to be Ruby Soho in disguise who gets caught with her spray paint can. Storm then runs down, Tony Storm that is, and uh, attacks Soho with her slippers and takes her into the crowd as for the shoe. With, with the shoe. And Soraya yanks Sheeta by the arm, flips her onto the edge of the apron, and then Sheeta comes back and delivers a delayed German to Soraya onto the edge of the apron. Soraya had to have been the most trusting person of Hokaru Sheeta as they were like, wow, her neck is terrible. Why did she take that? I mean, um, it was delivered very safely. You know, very, very um, I, I almost feel like Sheeta took the brunt of this herself. And I do also wonder if this part of this was like to maybe answer some online criticism that's been thrown her way about not being able to take bumps on the back of her head. Uh, specifically with the German suplex. I mean, it's a really stupid thing if, if that's the case. Oh, There's yeah. no need for her to prove that. But um, I'll tell I, you, I hope this match shuts some people up because I, I thought this was a great match that these two had. And Soraya's had a handful of them of late. So um, the match continues. The katana gets stopped and Paige goes for, uh, well, what was the uh, the Paige tap out? And it stopped with an up kick. She hits the nightcap. Sheeta kicks out and the crowd is chanting, holy Sheeta. And the, then <laughs> Soraya grabs the kendo stick and casually puts the spray paint over her belt buckle. 
the Paul Turner takes the kendo stick like in plain view is this spray paint can that he misses. So he turns around like a total fool and she just takes the spray paint, sprays it in her eyes. I was like, if this is the finish, this sucks. And she kicks out after another nightcap. So it was the the DTs of <laughs> throw everything at her. She's still going to kick out. And then we just get a series of, of roll-up counters with Sheeta getting the final reversal and pinning Soraya in 11-17, making Sheeta a three-time women's champion and our second title change on the show and overcoming blindness. So from Charlotte Flair on SmackDown to Sheeta tonight, the mist is not what it used to be in pro wrestling. There seems to be a, um, you know, maybe it's, some sort of protective cover. Maybe Mudo has finally given the secret away after retiring. Um, or maybe we've just evolved. You know, we've just developed like, you know, um, an immunity. All of food, us. food coloring is can be absorbed. I guess so. Yeah. Um, I I didn't think the match was great. Um, I thought it was good, um, but I thought it a they, critic tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like this. I, I, and I don't doubt that you you did. I mean, I I thought it was um, acceptable, but I guess I still see a lot of limitations in what Saraya can do. And I don't even know how much of it is due to health or how much of it is just due to her. I don't think she's fully adapted to like you know the AEW standard that I I, I come to expect you know from all my wrestling there. Um, and I also wonder if this was like a match or like a title change where um it was simply a means to get the belt off of her or if they truly have plans for Sheeta. Cause I have my doubts. We've seen Sheeta last time she won. She was basically a transitional champion. I hope she's not a transitional transitional champion this time around either. And I hope that they can do something similar to what, you know, I hope they're doing with orange Cassidy to tell us this run is going to be different from the last. Maybe she senses a weakness in Soraya's neck and she's going to come at her with subtitles. Um, I mean, she did, didn't really need to do all that. Jericho, they announced, has been taken to the hospital due to injuries from Powerhouse Hobbs. And then they announced that AEW is donating 50,000 toys to the Toys for Tots this Christmas that Tony Schiavone calls his favorite announcement that he has ever made. Rampage on Friday, we have, get, this, get your uh, pen and paper out, Claudio and Yuta against the Gates of Agony, Sky Blue against Amy Sakura, the Hardys and Brother Zay against Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, and Daniel Garcia, and Jay Lethal against Trent Beretta. As, uh, Braden will be staying in Friday night for that. Collision on Saturday has Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, challenging Christian Cage for the TNT title, and then Dynamite next week, the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royal. Yeah, so we got the bada boom, bada bing battle royal and the Oh man, the bada boom, bada bing battle royal with the dynamite dozen battle royal on yes. consecutive nights. The show's not on the same night next week, right? Oh, <laughs> no, no, thank God they're not going head to head next week. We're having so, another three kings battle royal. What was it? The oh god, $1 that one three kings. Hey man, they drew a rating for for that insanely named <laughs> battle royal last uh, Christmas time. The uh, the three kings, God knows whatever the hell battle royal. <laughs> I need to it? jump. What in. did they win? A hundred grand? It was a uh, top flight, and uh, it was Air Fox. Air Fox, yeah. Uh, right when, right when it cut to the commentary desk with Tony Schiavone, he goes, "Tony Khan has given me the the pleasure to announce this huge announcement," and our feed cut out, and I went, "Davy, our feed." We're, we're trying to navigate two controllers, and sometimes so I he was try to turn the wrong one, TV. and I mute the wrong one. And he goes, and the huge announcement is, and I accidentally turn it off. So I'm like, David. Like, fuck's sake, David, what's going on? So he gets it back up, like, in a, in a mere, like, 30 seconds. It's like, we're on fight, thanks so, to 
yeah. certain VPNs. So he, he rewinded just like 10 seconds for me. The big announcement is we've donated a lot of toys. And I just went, oh, my God. I'm so sorry, David. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a very nice yeah. gesture. But the way Tony yeah. was, was pr- pumping this up, I mean, it, it was definitely a ploy. Yeah. like, like He reiterated, though, after this is the biggest thing we've ever done. Like, I'm so happy to announce Like, it's great. Yeah. Like, look, look yeah. yeah. I'm it's happy nice, the kids but... are getting toys. But I was under the assumption it was like, hey, Mercedes is signed. He thought Goldberg was coming. Yeah. Like, I was like, well, what's going on here? Oh, well, we gave away some money for kids and toys. The wrestling fans' prerogative. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them kids, bro. Callus and Takeshita, uh, they got to do the Sammy Guevara treatment with the signs during the picture-in-picture. Picture about they, There was a picture of... Uh, it was either Jericho or, or Omega was being stabbed in the neck with a screwdriver in this photo. Uh, Guevara then... Uh, they state will be back, and they're going to pay for what they did to him. Another person who's not cleared. Renee catches up with MJF. He is not in the mood to be interviewed. He just wants to call Adam Cole to get some advice. So he calls up Adam Cole, who's in the house with poor reception. And we think it's going to go to voicemail, but Adam Cole does pick it up. And it's like, Adam, where are you? It's like, I'm hanging out at the BDE. Can you hear my feed coming in and out? And he, says, he goes over all of his problems. Samoa Joe wants to come back for the title. I'm having these problems with Jay White stealing my my title and then the phone cuts out and we get mjf yelling adam adam and it cuts out and there's no adam cole in his uh poor reception of uh roderick strong's humble abode so the acclaimed come in and max caster offers to team up with them and max just storms off billy gunn's like why were you offering our services to him and max explains his history with mjf and he also likes to play hard to get. So we are continuing this and somehow MJF is going to embrace these, uh, well, Max Caster and his friends. And this will be our, our, our four on four battle, but they still need to find a cardboard cutout as well. You are right. Yeah. It's five on four at the moment. Right. And then our final uh, segment of the night, which was the overrun or would include the overrun Christians out with Luchasaurus. They mentioned Darby Allen, not cleared to compete. It's like a mash unit here. Cage makes fun of the Kansas City Chiefs and left Adam Copeland in shock last week, telling him to go fuck himself. And he explains Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne, they're not going to leave me because unlike you, Adam, I didn't take some ragtag group, dress them up like it's Halloween and convince them they're tough guys. Man, putting a, a, a guilty judgment here placed upon a group in WWE and says, I am not their leader. I'm their father and (sighs) mentions how Copeland wanted to finish his career together. Says, where was that sentiment when I was being held back and you were, when I was the more talented one and you were getting pushed to the moon, huh? When did you want to team up then? And he said that your career, Adam is on a downward slope. I keep climbing to new heights. I'm the hottest star in the industry. You need me. I don't need you. And the fact is I've got a lot of fans including your wife, Beth, who's a huge fan of mine and tells Adam's daughters, Ruby and Lyric that they'll be taken care of. And then in the line of the night, Beth put some clean sheets on the bed because their new daddy is coming home. This was awesome. This was awesome. I mean, again, just howled at this. 
with NJF like pretty much full babyface at this point, getting this type of like don't go there type of promo from Christian, I thought was fantastic. I thought his um he made great reference, of course, to the judgment day and why he's different. I love the line where he said, you know, um, you wanted to be their leader. I'm not their leader, I'm their father. It is perfect. And he also gave us great logic for why he doesn't want to team with Adam Copeland. You know, we, I guess, I, I guess we can infer in storyline purposes that um, they had a chance to team up back then when, when the two of them briefly reunited after the rumble and uh, Christian had no role and thus came over to AEW. Um, and it yeah, does, it brought me back to the company and didn't sign me to a contract and let me walk. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not on Adam Copeland. Well, in storyline, sure. You know, he could have fought for a role for for his friend and offered to team up, but he didn't choose to at that time. So I always say, listen, you could have had a blue dot on your face, okay? (laughs) Maybe I fought some battles for you that you weren't aware of, okay? Uh, Yes. So after bringing up the family, Adam Copeland charges down to the ring, right into Luchasaurus who blocks him, and then Nick Wayne is and grabs him by the leg, and Luchasaurus hits the extinction lariat to the back, and the fans are cheering him on as... Copeland makes his way to his feet and the match begins. And then we get just a one-sided beatdown for like three quarters of the match. It's just Luchasaurus pounding on Adam Copeland. Taz mentions that back in the day when they were teaming, everyone liked Adam Copeland way more than Christian. And Copeland finally manages a spinning DDT off the apron as his first bit of offense. And It was not mentioned once. It was mentioned like three times between Excalibur and Taz, just casually referring to him as Cope. Oh, goodness. Well, Copeland Copeland can be a bit of a mouthful, I suppose, when you're trying to talk really fast. And it was really hard for me to get used to like seeing this guy wrestle and hearing like myself try to call him Copeland. It's 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 kind of icky. What about uh, Ledge? Are we okay with Ledge? Um, I don't know if I am either. I'm fine just calling him Edge even here. Okay, well, <laughs> the steps are turned sideways, and they fight on the turnbuckle, and wouldn't you know it, um, Cope did not get suplexed to the floor on the steps, but instead, uh, Christian is on the apron, and he distracts as Nick Wayne places a chair in the corner, Copeland misses a spear, runs into the chair, then a choke slam, but kicks out, ducks an extinction lariat, and then drops Luchasaurus onto the edge of the apron, and then manages to spring off the steps and spear Luchasaurus in midair. Um, this was a you know a pretty impressive looking maneuver for uh, Adam Copeland mm-hmm. as he hit him with the spear to the floor. Then Cage has the belt. Copeland steals it, nails Luchasaurus with the belt, drops Nick Wayne, but he places the title back into Christian's hands. So when Luchasaurus turns around, he thinks Christian has hit him with the title and he's confused, setting up the spear and the win by Cope in 15 minutes and 31 seconds. Then Nick Wayne attacks with a chop block, and we get everybody out here. Danielson comes out. The BCC follow. The Mogul Embassy are out with Swerve. So we've got Cage and Danielson fighting. Hangman's brawling with Swerve. Copeland spears Nick Wayne, which the camera missed as their uh, tribute to uh, his comeback at the Rumble with Dolph Ziggler. And then Danielson submits Christian Cage, who is tapping out as they're, they're pushing that. If that happens on Saturday, we'll have a new champion and that is how the show ends with a wild brawl that I believe went five minutes after NXT went off the air. So they had mm-hmm. five minutes unopposed at the end here and thus capped off um, a long night of AEW. It was very long. Yeah. Um, I think the match was a good match. 
I don't know if it it was necessarily the statement that I was looking for it to be number one, you know, in the main event of this um, head to head war with the undertaker on the other channel. And um, also for Adam Copeland's first match in, in AEW, I, I thought um, it again, it was good. Man, you would even say like very good for a man's first match, you know, with, within a new company. But I think there are some problems for me with like Luchasaurus, you know, if they're telling him as a heel to work that very kind of slow, traditional giant style and, unfortunately in this match he came across to me a little bit generic and um obviously you know with the, the mask not that much charisma to be able to carry that style through i mean he's 98k you know is what they're trying to to present him as um he's also so, 65 million years old which it's tough right to so traditional to would be right for him i i thought it was a bit of an average match personally but um we see like you know everybody have they kind of have to come in and they have to kind of find that next gear you know you saw it with danielson where i don't think his like his first matches were good but he's way better now and more dynamic and i think we'll get that with edge eventually too but for a first match i guess you could say it was good Braden davy your overall thoughts on tonight's nxt and i guess what you could gather from uh, we, we've we, got another. We have a whole bunch. Oh, oh yeah, you guys have the show to finish. <laughs> sorry, we've got sorry. Lola Vice the XT Women's Pickout Tournament. Yeah, you guys got Tony Storm. We got Lola Vice. Yeah. How about that? Um, so uh, yeah, this is a first round tournament match. Uh, Lola Vice hits this running hip attack in the top corner. Palmer goes for this top rope kind of twisting moonsault. Uh, Lola moves and Danny lands on her feet, but Lola replies a submission. Palmer transitions that into a pin attempt. Uh, Lola gets out and then hits her like martial arts spin kick right to the head, uh, taking out Danny Palmer and advancing in the tournament. Yeah, Danny Palmer has been someone we've seen like little bits about and lots of backflips and that kind of background. But it's definitely Lola Vice that should have everyone's attention going forward. I think she'll be a big deal in WWE and showcasing like some triangles and armbar takedowns and then a sweet looking almost like the black mask kick mm. but does it really well and like i think she's the complete package and little by little she keeps getting better and i think she should be the one to if not win this breakout tournament uh, i see her in the finals against uh, kalani jordan yeah I, I like what i've seen from both i think danny is very smooth on the kind of high flying the acrobatics um and lola's sort of uh strikes do look really nice uh i I see it looking at the brackets. We've got Carmen Petrovic versus Jada Parker. The winner of that will take on Lola Vice. And Ariana Grace and Jakara Jackson, winner of that will take on Kalani Jordan. So it, I think we're probably getting Kalani Jordan and yeah. Lola Vice unless the, in the final. Yeah, unless the girl from Toronto with the sword has anything to do with, you know. She, yeah. She could bring the sword out, which Maybe. there is a girl with the sword. So we'll see. We go to chase you and... Uh, we see JC Jane and Thea Hale, and they've gone back to class. And JC actually told Thea uh, to go back to class, but the deal is that JC can come along too. And JC tells Andre Chase that she's excited because they vibed last week. And Andre Chase is looking a bit suspicious about this. Uh, so Chase is giving his class, and it's we're coming up to Halloween. So he says, I'm going to give a, a lecture about Halloween Havoc. And it started in 1989 in Philadelphia. We're going to Philadelphia in April for the for WrestleMania. And as he's going on, we see JC and Thea just chatting away. And uh, Duke Hudson is studiously taking notes. And Chase feels like he's lost control. The whole class is breaking down. And then he asks David, David, what the fuck is on your screen? That's so interesting that you're not listening to me talk about Halloween Havoc. He's watching AEW. 
David Yet is watching the uh, the what Soraya match, I guess. Yeah. Right now. Uh, Andre Chase grabs his phone, smashes it against the wall, and says, "Everything around here was fine until you came along." And JC says, "Well, sorry, we were just talking because we were so excited because." You and Duke are going to be in the Bada Bing, Bada Boom Battle Royal next week. And Duke says, look, Andre, some good things can come from social media. A, turns to this guy, David, and David says, well, no, my phone's broken. <laughs> I can't use social media. And JC just says, we're going to have so much fun to Andre Chase. So yeah, she seems to be having taken the role of Duke Hudson as the one who's maybe fucking with Chase U. But yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. she eventually... See the maybe light. she's just yeah maybe the same thing will happen that she'll realize actually Chase is pretty good and can help me out but yeah it's very Mean Girls entering Degrassi High yeah. here and I guess next week we keep thinking she's just going to cost them something but I want Chase you to win this yeah bada bing bada boom what's it called again bada boom bada bing yeah yeah uh, we then see Paul Heyman with Bron Breaker yeah this was pretty great Heyman says I've worked with your father and your uncle and you have the best that both had to offer. And I'm not the wise man because of the past. I'm the wise man because I see the future. And I see the future as Bron Breaker in the main event of WrestleMania. And Bron says, I don't care about Mello or Cena. I'm going to break them all. And he walks off ready for his match. And Heyman gets his phone out and says, call Roman Reigns. He's got that Siri yeah. on, on lock. Yeah, I love this. Very Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar vibes here mm. with the, like the old wise man basically saying, I know you're the future. You're awesome. I'm in your corner. And possibly in the, it makes you think as a wrestling fan, like, oh, could Braun be a Paul Heyman guy? I, I think Braun is, is the character you need to debut big. Yeah. You know, you, you need to debut him like just killing a top, top guy right away. Yeah. Uh, have him with Heyman or whatever. Um, I hope they follow through with this and this isn't just, hey, this is the week we loaded up and just it's cool to say. I think because Ron's been ready to leave since dropping yeah. the title and finding this new character. It's just when to do it and against who. Uh, but I really like this pairing. Yeah, it's cool. We then see Brian Pillman Jr., who's watching the TV. He's in a dark room. He's got the, the T-shirt on again. He's got the, what, the, the, the Bengal. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also got a, a, I don't want to use the word great, but he's got a lineup, like the chin, like the... Oh, the beard? He looks like you're, when you're a GTA character and you like scroll through yeah. and it's like, yeah, I want the fade, but like on your face? Yeah. Uh, but he's also got the mullet though, so... So it's cutting between like clips of him talking and clips of his dad back in back in the day uh, wrestling. And he says, I want to bring as much pain as I had growing up as as I had that my father brought to me. And for those very reasons, I'm not going to be a junior anymore. And I don't want you to think of him when you see my face. And it's it's cutting like his face with Brian Pillman Sr.'s face. And I mean, they're. Yeah. Obviously, strike me very, look very alike. Uh, but he says, I want to take the name of the man who did raise me, and my last name will be King. So, yeah, kind of making it clear that he won't be using the Pillman Jr. Mark. He also, as this air tweeted out, 26 years ago, my father was buried, and tonight I buried his last name. I will no longer be known as the lost son living in my father's shadows. I will forge my own path and stop at nothing until I am the king of. NXT. 
Uh, do you see this? Like, he's coming across heelish. Yeah, right? kind of arrogant. Yeah. Like, I, I like the explaining of, like, his name and why and that, but it's coming across very arrogant. And we know, like, how WWE paint their legends. They yeah. always paint them in a, a good light, despite what their past is a lot of the time. So I see this totally as coming in as an arrogant heel. Yeah, is this like uh, Mr. Perfect Son being like, I'm going to use McGillicuddy because mm. I don't want to use my dad's name because he sucked or whatever. Like, I don't, is it kind of the same? I'm not sure. I also like this guy's, he he had some things in AEW that we've seen, but like, I really, I want to be proven wrong and see like something really entertaining and good from this. And maybe NXT, WWE is what he needs, but we'll see. Uh, we see the whole of the women's division kind of just, fangirling over Asuka, uh, but Tiffany Stratton walks up to her and really isn't interested in her. So teasing maybe a Tiffany Asuka match, which should be pretty good. That would be good. Uh, We see next week, we've got the Bada Bing, Bada Boom Battle Royal, uh, a three-way number one contenders match uh, for the NXT title. So Dijak versus Baron Corbin versus the winner of this main event. Uh, And then we are getting Lyra Valkyria versus Tegan Knox. Um, Paul Heyman comes out for the main event and says on behalf of his tribal chief, it's his pleasure to introduce badass Bron Breaker. Uh, and we have Carmelo with John Cena, obviously in his corner. Uh, Bron is very dominant at the beginning of the match. Uh, Melo catches him with a super kick and starts to fire back, uh, hitting his suplex lift into the cutter. Uh, but only a two count. Uh, Cena in his best overacting on the outside. Oh. Any near fall, like eyes wide open. What? Uh, Mello goes to the top rope and Braun just leaps to the top, hitting this like avalanche DDT. Yeah, Braun usually does his uh, his uncle's Frankenstein mm. off the top rope, but this was like he was going for one of Mello's like DDT type things. I'm not sure if he hit what he was if supposed to was, hit, Yeah, but it was two guys falling off the top. So yeah. Uh, Mello goes for nothing but net, but gets caught, and Bron hits his military press power slam, but Mello kicks out, and now Cena's just jumping around. Bron goes the outside and pulls the stairs. He's ready to, well, we know what he did to Von Wagner. Yeah. He's ready to crush Mello's head, but Cena pulls the stairs off of Bron and even kicks him in the shin. Ref didn't see it, it's fine. Ref didn't see you mad. Uh, well. No one can see it. Oh, right. Yeah. No one can see no it. Can oh, see true. It. This is when Solo Sokoa runs out uh, and Melo hits the codebreaker on the outside and then rolls Bron into the ring and hits nothing but net for the win. Yeah, pretty crazy. Melo beating Braun here in their, what, this is the rubber match essentially mm-hmm. here. Uh, pretty, pretty good match. Didn't hit the, the quality of their other ones, but I like the dynamic. These two have great chemistry together and it felt so weird, like, what again in a bubble on NXT? It's like, wait, why is Cena here? Why is Heyman here? Are both guys being called up? Are they like being looked at as prospects? That's something that NXT could do a lot more is like have main roster guys being like, you know, like yeah, like yeah. Isaac Lashley and the Street Profits down here being like, oh, Mello, okay, I see you. Like, let's okay. Well, you we might have lost Brandon and Davey here towards the end, unfortunately. Um. But that was most of their NXT review. So, Braden and Davey, if you guys can hear me, please reconnect, and hopefully we can uh, get back to you guys in, uh, at the end of your review. Yeah, this is their uh, their lover's lament. The, yeah, the unfortunately. Uh, apologies for some of the technical issues. Again, uh, I take all the blame for it. This was my idea, and uh, uh, 
you know, sometimes you can't really foresee some of the technical issues involved. So let's go to uh, some feedback here and then uh, we'll reconnect with Brandon and Davey, I'm sure, by the end. All right. Let's go on over to the forum and we start off with uh, Benjamin, who mentions that uh, Cole Strong Kingdom vignette was a big drop in quality. Part of what made last week's good was the cuts to Taven stroking the giraffe gingerly. Yeah, that, that was what made it. Yay, Sheeta. Christian Cage is perfect. Change the sheets. New daddy's coming home. I hope Swerve isn't going to get 50-50 against Hangman Page. All right, let's go up next to Steve, who says Swerve versus Danielson was a great match. Tough to have either of them lose right now, but I wanted Swerve to take it. Jay White is a good wrestler, but his presentation is annoying. The whole group doesn't work for me. Do you think he was ready for this spot? I feel like there are a ton of people higher than him on the card that deserve it more at this point. Cheers, guys. Thanks for all you do. I mean, it's it's a big uh, position to be, you know, the center of this main program for the next six weeks until full gear. I'm a lot higher on Jay White than most, but I do understand that he's not to everyone's liking. Um, I think that, like, what what the options were that are on the table. Um, swerve. You know, you, swerve. Um, it it could have been the direction. I I would look at Swerve as, you know, it we will see where this hangman program goes because it, it does feel somewhat r- repetitive to, to a degree that they're going with this as opposed to sort of getting that win and elevating himself. It feels like he'll be tied up with hangman for the foreseeable future. I imagine page actually gets his win back over Swerve, and then maybe they do number three. Um, I think it was too soon to announce Jay white without getting him hot enough for, you know, um, this title challenge. Um, he's the Bullet Club Gold. I think is it has been a, a highlight of, of AEW Collision. I would say AEW as a whole for several months now. Um, I think he was approaching that point, but to just get him have to, to have him announced for a pay per view title match, which is very different from just a TV title match, might have been a, a little bit premature. I do want to mention just before we go on in the feedback, so much of that segment is going to be focused on the, the role of quarters. For MJF, who very much took it to heart last week, his promo and being very public about what he felt like he blew last week, I thought his babyface fire in that promo, like mm-hmm. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was an excellent babyface that still is able to maintain, like it's not sacrificing all of the tenets of the MJF character, but it's enough that it's like, man, he's this babyface that all these people want to get behind. And I, I thought tonight was a way better promo than, than last week. I thought so too. And I that's mean, going to be forgotten in that segment, but I, I thought it was great. I really don't even think last week's was maybe as bad. Like, I think there might be criticisms of those segments being too long, and I can certainly see that. But I didn't even think last week's was was really maybe as bad as he probably took it. So, um, but, but this week's was more effective for agreed, w- agreed. what they were building towards. I, I agree with you. It's not. I, I didn't, you know, kind of uh, look at it as too detrimental last week, but th- this was way more effective to me for what you want out of him. Let's go up next to Manny from Pacoima, who actually is the subject of this week's edition of Postmarks coming out on Thursday. So listen to that for free over at the Postmarks and Cafe Free. Let's go to, uh, yeah, Manny, who says, I, nah, Tony and AEW now have heat with me for taking that title off of Saraya. NXT Homecoming was a pretty fun watch. The tag battle royal was, has my interest since Garza said something might happen on the anniversary of Don Garza's passing. Braun's been losing a lot of matches. Should he just be called up? I'm excited for Lyra versus Tegan and the video package to promote Becky versus Lyra was fantastic. Speaking of video packages, this Lexus Tiger King promo was good, but what was up with that haircut and beard? Um, Did you get a chance to see any stills or anything from it? No, no. Other than what you just showed, I didn't get to see any of it, but it's, um, 
That's it looked a, great. It looked yeah. like one of the more you know in, um, buzzworthy things I would say coming out of this. I the, the creative I think they've they've done for for this seems to have been uh, held up really well, you know, up until this point. Uh, all right, you want to go next? Muggin NXT brought it. The usage of the main roster guest stars was the Trojan horse to attract new viewers, but it was the current roster that got got them to stay some fun wrestling throughout the night the return to the dusty classic was a layup with cody being the gm for the night Ilya dragunov sent dom dom to jesus the trick mellow story got pushed forward and the dead man returned to his yard oscar perez was too short for my liking it was nice to see jade cargill pop up dynamite had some good stuff with sheeta pulling off the three-peat swerve danielson ruled and copeland luchasaurus was a strong main event the tony storm vignette to picture in picture wasn't wise Hmm. I mean, it was. I wonder why. I mean, it was designed to be a picture-in-picture thing, right? But uh, did Dom Dom get sent to Jesus? Uh, That's a great question. I don't know. Maybe our friends at Up Next can answer that if they're back. Uh, (laughs) They might not be. (laughs) Let's just wrap this one up, boy. Let's uh, back here. Maybe maybe turn off the video, guys, uh, before we sign off. Yeah, that might help. Uh, okay, I'll go to our next. Uh, I'll go to our next piece of feedback here. Jordan from the Bronx says, "I usually watch both shows when they're live on their respective nights, but tonight I chose AEW as it's the show I prefer on most weeks. I'm more invested in the long-term developments coming out of Dynamite than I am of the short-term curiosity of seeing all of the guest stars on NXT. I understand WWE wanting to boost up NXT and claim a victory in the ratings, but as a fan, it doesn't work for me. I like watching NXT to see the stars of the future develop." It gets to be ridiculous when Cena, Cody, Asuka, and the like are doing obvious cameos that won't contribute to the long term of the NXT show itself. It's a neat photo op to get Melo and Undertaker together, together, but what does that lead to down the road? It's nice for those to get a kick out of this battle, but personally, I would have preferred an NXT that showcased what the brand really is. Maybe, maybe he's going to take him under his wing. Yeah, Braden and Davey, if you guys could hear us, do you have any thoughts on that? Can you hear us? <laughs> yes, we can. Crystal clear. Yeah, uh, anyone who has Fido, cancel it. Get something else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not a sponsor, right? Uh, what did you feel? Yeah, did you hear the question from uh, Jordan? No, I, I think um, I don't. I, I heard that comment about it being a, a Trojan horse, and I don't really think it was enough of a Trojan horse, to be honest. I think we've seen uh, way better matches on NXT in the last few months, weekly. Um, thinking back to those kind of like. Uh, what the heritage cup tournament matches with like axiom and butch and all them bait. Uh, I didn't really think there was a blow away wrestling match tonight, uh, which is, I think is what it really needed. Cause I think you were going to have a lot of new viewers on. I also, it's cool having Undertaker, but having Ron, who is your big prospect, possible future Paul Heyman guy, lose the main event and then just get bitched sure. out by Undertaker. Like, yeah, okay, it's cool for the pop, but what does that really serve? Especially with, with Bron Breaker, who I think is one of your top, top stars and prospects. Yeah, it, it's interesting, like the badass thing. It's It was, again, in an NXT bubble, you're like, wait, why is Undertaker here? Like, Bron's been saying he's the badass for weeks and months, half a year. It's like now all of a sudden Undertaker heard this and has to come out to to fight him and beat him up. So it is a bit odd if you're trying to make sense of it. I don't, Undertaker coming out instantly gets people's attention. It's like, oh shit, it's the Undertaker. Cool, I get that, but really a weird. But it's placement. like not like you're going to get a match Braun versus Undertaker. Like, and the, the the image is is both him and Mello doing the arm raise at the end. It's like, wait, what does Mello yeah. and Taker have to do with each other? I don't know. But hey, I got to hear Kid Rock tonight. So. 
Yeah, I guess the question I would have for NXT is that, you know, tonight was like building everything up for this one night. And we have seen this trend of, you know, a number of people that have come down and made a meaningful difference with the audience. Becky Lynch being the most recent example is that next week, like, let's say it's Becky Lynch that's coming. Is it, does it feel like somewhat lesser when it's, we're just going back after this giant peak versus, you know, take two of our main stars. Like we could have had Cena and Cody in hours one and two tonight in big roles and sort of used all these other cameos for the next two months over different periods of time mm-hmm. that it would have kind of built the audience versus like you peak now are, are they going to have the same effect of, you know, a, you know, a upper mid card performer showing up uh, in two weeks time that it's going to have that same impact. We'll, we'll see. I'm, certain this is going to be a very strong number and overall the the show has been having a lot of momentum uh, behind it so we'll see that maybe this just catapults more people to be into nxt and this was the reason that they needed to find an excuse to sit down and watch the show there's good wrestling on nxt honestly every week this week nothing hit like the the normal like oh that was the match of the night i guess you know the the brawn and, and mellow match really but nothing hit like that but i will say like week by week NXT does hit for people who like to cherry pick their wrestling. Like there tends to be like some crazy matches that come out of there. Look last week at no mercy and and so forth. So the wrestling is still there, but the stink of 2.0 and the Degrassi high stuff is still lingering. I just don't know if you were to watch this for the first time. Like, I think if you tuned into no mercy for the first time, you'd be talking about Tiffany Stratton. You'd be talking about Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes. I don't know how much you'd have come out of this show talking about its regular stars. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately I don't even know if that was the number one purpose of tonight, no. right? Like the the number one purpose of tonight was probably to be able to say, "Hey, we got a win over AEW." No, no, no. Paul Heyman said today it is to he humbly submits that it is to showcase the next generation of stars and that NXT has one of the greatest rosters in history. That was what tonight was about. Well, if it's a byproduct of a uh, um, you know, a, a nice little side effect, then I guess they they can't complain too much. Sure. Well, that is going to bring to a close our Super Tuesday Super Review. So it was very super. It was super. It was indeed. It was great to have you guys. Uh, Please tell everyone out there about what is going on in the world of Poison Rana. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, we love talking about wrestling. We go live Tuesday nights. Uh, Maybe we'll do this again one Tuesday night. Uh, We do. This is our night. This is usually when we're wrapping up. We do cover NXT every Tuesday on Up Next on this post-wrestling feed. And uh, we do other shows. Sundays, we go live around 2 p.m. over on Poison Ron on YouTube. And uh, the audio goes up later that day. And we, we'll chat about NXT, I'm sure, a bit more and whatever happens in main roster stuff, AEW stuff. We, we cover it all. And it's spooky season. So, you know, we're getting our, our, our scares on with our movie reviews, including uh, Halloween 6 coming out later this month and lots and lots of fun stuff. Uh, we do lots of wrestling reviews, movie reviews, everything uh, under the sun. So. Yeah, yeah. Follow Poison Rana, and uh, we've got a debut this Friday uh, on the Poison Rana free feed. Martin Bushby, Dickie Bird, and Brandon from New Jersey. Eagles don't hunt flies. It's their debut episode, talking about the whole career of John Moxley, and they're starting with the John Moxley Nick Gage feud. So can't wait for you all to listen to that one. Yeah, hit us up poisonrana.ca for all the links of everything that we do. But it was super fun to chat with you two. We haven't done a show the four of us in a long time, and you are our buddies. So I, I know it sounded a bit hectic, and and it it kind of was, but uh, it was nice to chat with you 
fine gentlemen. I love chatting with you. And the next show we do, we're going to do it all in person. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> that is it for us, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Me and Brandon Thurston are live at 4 p.m. Eastern time. If you want to hear the ratings reaction, what everyone is out to hear, that is going to be happening on Wednesday on the Post Wrestling and WrestleNomics feed. So that is it for us. Thank you for tuning in to Super Tuesday Super Review. Goodbye. <laughs>